He is hope. He's our only hope. And I'm so grateful that he wants to fill you with hope today. And maybe you feel like you're losing hope. Just know that if you're a Christ follower, you can't lose hope because he's always with you. And he wants to fill you with his strength today and his power. He wants to meet your need. And I don't know what your needs are, but I know you've got a need. And I know he's the only one that can meet it. I can't meet your need, but God can. I know he can. Nothing is impossible with God. And here's the amazing thing. He knows what you need, and he knows where you are. Where are you? I don't mean your location. I know you guys are right here at the Wilderness Campus, and you guys at the Atascacita Campus, I can see you. I know you're there. No, I really can't see you. I'm just lying. But I, can, <laughs> but I know you're there. And all you guys worshiping with us online, I know you're there. But yet, I don't know where you are. But where are you spiritually? Maybe you'd say, Carrie, today I've wandered away from God. I'm, you know, I'm nowhere spiritually. You know what? That's okay. Because God has a word for you today. He says, come home today. You're welcome home. Come on home. I'm here to receive you. And some of you are going, hey, I am walking with the Lord, but I am confused. Right now, I'm at a place of confusion. I know God wants to give you some clarity today. Or maybe you're at a place of burden, just feeling weighed down by something you're trying to carry, something you're facing, and God knows where you're at, and he's there to lift that burden and lift you up to. God knows where you're at, and so He's going to give you a word through me today right where you're at because he loves you right where you're at. But he loves you too much to let you stay there. He wants us all to change and to grow. And so that's what he wants to do through his word today. It's his word. So let's pray together. Dear God, we know you're the only one that can change a life. But Lord, you want to change every one of us. So I just pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would just Meet them right where they're at. You know where I'm at. You know where they're at spiritually in our lives with the problems and the stresses and the heartaches and the pain. So just meet them right where they're at, Lord, and show them that you are real and that you love them. Just bring healing and strength. Lord, I thank you that your word is life-changing and it's gonna go out and change us for your glory and do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I'm really excited about this weekend because I'm starting a new series that I've been wanting to do for some time. I'm calling it the five things I want my kids to remember forever. But it's really not about kids. It's really not about parents. It's really five things that Chris and I have learned over the years that have made the biggest difference in our lives. These are five truths from God's word that I want my grown kids to always remember. And I want my grandchildren to learn and experience the power of these principles in their lives. But here's the thing about these life-defining principles. Even though they are so powerful, they're so easy to forget. I've learned these things the hard way, through pain, through problems, and trying to do it other ways. And they've made all the difference in my life and yet I so easily forget them and get off track. That's why I need this series. That's why you need this series, this series, because if we don't learn these principles, these practical truths from God's word and live by them, our lives will eventually 
come all the way off track. And so the first thing that I want us to remember always is without love, even the goat loses. It's really important. Without love, even the goat loses. Of course, goat means greatest of all time, and there's always a lot of debate about who's the goat in every sport. In basketball now, people are debating, is Michael Jordan still the goat, or has LeBron overtaken him? Yeah, I just found out this week that the opposite of goat is toad. It stands for terrible on any day. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Well, you're the toad. You're terrible on any day. And of course, in football, Tom Brady, who just retired again, is the undisputed goat with seven Super Bowl rings. And for 45 years of age, he's also the goat of great hair. You probably don't know this, but I once held that title when I was in high school. It's true. Chris can confirm it. I went from goat to toad pretty quickly, but, uh, but I was the goat. Now, have you ever thought about what you might be the goat of? Now, I might be the goat of procrastination, and there are a lot of goats that you really don't want to be, like the goat of gossip or the goat of griping or the goat of negativity or the goat of narcissism. And if you're the goat of narcissism, you won't even know it because you're narcissistic, you know? You won't even realize that you're so self-absorbed. You can't even celebrate the fact that you're the greatest narcissist of all time because you don't even know it. That's kind of sad. And you don't want to be the goat of getting divorced. You know, you're on your seventh marriage starting to end, so you're thinking about eight already, you know? I mean, I guess you could see that as the goat of positive thinking. You know, this one's going to stick. I just know it, you know? But there's some goats that you just don't want to be. But if you ever become the goat of something that's positive, that's a great accomplishment. But the Bible says, without love, you lose. Another way of saying it is, relationships are more important than accomplishments. Because that's really all that matters when it's all said and done. Our relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and the relationships around us. And so I want us to Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a passage we're all familiar with, but I want us to look at some parts of it that we normally don't look at. Of course, it's read in many weddings, and, and the couple usually is not even thinking about the words because they're nervous or thinking about, you know, what a celebration it is, but what powerful words to really live by. And so would you stand in honor of God's word? We'll start with 1 Corinthians 13.1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You can be seated. I want us to break down this passage and really get into it. So let's look again at 
1 Corinthians 13, 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So the Bible tells us here, you can be the greatest communicator of all time, but your words are worthless without love. They're gonna be ineffective. You're not gonna get them through. Now, I want us to do the math today. Now, I know some of you freak out when it comes to math, but this is gonna be really simple math, but really powerful. And so the scripture here is saying that you can be the goat of communication. But minus love, it equals zero. Pretty simple math, I told you it was. But I'm gonna put these up on the board even though you can't read my writing. because I want you to remember them. It's so important. You see, one of the biggest problems in relationships today is communication between husbands and wives, parents and children, between managers and individuals on the team. Communication is something today that's really breaking down and it's breaking down families, it's breaking down teams. But communication is not just about clarity, Communication really comes down to caring, caring enough to get into their life, to listen, to seek to understand them, to tell them not just what they wanna hear, but what they need to hear. Loving them enough to tell them the truth in love. You see, verse one says, it doesn't matter how perfectly I communicate something. If I don't say it in love, it sounds to the other person like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's not gonna get through. Our son, Stephen, can play just about any instrument, guitar, piano, drums, marimba, I could go on and on. But he started off with the drums. When he was a kid, we got him a drum set. And Chris and I had no idea how much a kid learning to play the drums could hinder our communication and test our character and test our sanity and test our love for him. I mean, there would be times when we'd be talking about something really important, and all of a sudden, the kick drum would start pounding, and the cymbals would start crashing, and it would be the end of our conversation. I know some of you guys are going, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, just wait until it happens during the middle of the big game, and you'll change your mind. And I really feel for some of you parents whose kids are learning to play the trumpet, or the clarinet, you know, or the tuba, I mean, you've been hearing some ungodly notes from the pit of hell, and I am so sorry. I'm praying for you. They're testing your sanity. God is just allowing the test from Satan, and it's like Satan is right in your home, coming through, coming through that instrument right now as they learn, or or the violin. That's the worst. You know, kids learning to play the violin. Some of you would rather me run my fingernails down this chalkboard than listen to your child learning to play the violin. It's like, there's something about that. Woo, that's a test. Of course, Stephen got really good at drums, and, and by the way, even though he got really good at drums, it didn't change any of that because uh, they were just as loud. But then he started playing guitar with his brother Josh, and 
Now with the guitar, even as he was learning to play the guitar, just simple chords, it sounded really nice. Now it was acoustic guitar, it wasn't the electric guitar jam sessions that he had with Josh. But it was really interesting because learning to play the acoustic guitar, even when he played simple chords and made mistakes, the music coming off the guitar was calming and beautiful. I also have to clarify that Stephen was always naturally really good at tuning his guitar, which made a difference. Now, I hear a lot of men say, I'm not very good at communicating on a deep level with my wife. I hear a lot of parents say, we're really not good. It's awkward to try to really connect with our teenager. I mean, they're really hard to connect with because they don't communicate and they kind of blame it on their teenager. It's really hard to communicate with my team at work. I'm just, something is missing, you know? It's, it's like they're not getting what I'm trying to say. And, or it's really hard to communicate with my boss. We just don't get each other. You need to know effective communication is like learning to play the guitar. Husbands, those of you who feel like you're not great at communicating with your spouse or with your kids, you don't have to be great at it for her to appreciate it but you do have to act in love by trying to tune in to how she feels. You have to risk feeling awkward by sharing your feelings. You have to really listen. You don't have to understand her. You'll never understand your spouse completely because you're two different people, but you don't have to understand them. You just need to be understanding. And when I awkwardly step into a deeper conversation with Chris, as long as she sees that I care about her and I'm really trying to connect, even if I'm doing a pathetic job, it's still music to her ears. It gets through. But when I communicate out of selfishness just to get my point across or to try to change how she feels or try to win the argument, I sound to her like a, a clanging cymbal that keeps us from really seeing each other's hearts. You can be the greatest communicator of all time, but without love, your words are worthless. So let's look at verse two, because it just continues on to show us the importance of love. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, but do not have love, I am nothing. So he's saying, you can be the smartest person of all time, but without love, it means nothing. You can be the smartest person of all time, but without love, you're really dumb. Now let's go again and to the chalkboard and let's do the math. You can be the goat of intellect. Last night I misspelled intellect, seriously, which shows that I'm not the goat, you know? <laughs> Fortunately, I, I corrected it. Um, then, I, then I, I'm just not even, I'm just trying not to even let you see what I'm writing here. It's, it's just such a mess, so you don't know if I misspelled it or not, you know? You think, man, he's writing in Hebrew or something up there. He's so brilliant. The goat of intellect minus love equals zero. That's the math. Remember the math. You can graduate magna cum laude and have an IQ off the charts and have three PhDs, but without love, it is meaningless. I didn't graduate magna cum laude. I graduated thank the laude, and I did. I did. Last night, they knew I was speaking truth, you know? Hey, knowledge is wonderful. Knowledge is so important, but the Bible says without love, knowledge just makes you proud. 
Knowledge just makes you hard to get along with without love. We need knowledge desperately, but knowledge without love is dangerous. Look at 1 Corinthians 8.1. Such knowledge, however, puffs a person up with pride, but love builds up. There's nothing wrong with knowledge, but without love, it doesn't change anything. It just makes you proud. But love, on the other hand, builds people up. You know, we have so much knowledge today in our society. I mean, just think about the technological capabilities that we can only dream about just a few years ago. I mean, so much knowledge and information, so much learning, you know, all the tech knowledge through computers and smartphones. It's just available to us all the time. But has any of this knowledge solved the world's greatest problems? Has all this learning solved our greatest problems? No, they've just become greater. That's because knowledge can't meet our deepest needs. The world is not looking for knowledge. The world is looking for love. Let's look again at 1 Corinthians 13, the second part of verse 2. And if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. He's saying you can be the most religious person of all time, but without love, it's meaningless. And so let's do the math again. You can be the goat of faith. And that's kind of surprising to me. But minus love, it equals zero. The goat of faith? Carrie, I thought faith is just a good thing. We're supposed to have faith. But you know, being a Christian is not about following all the rules. It's not even about just believing in Jesus. Sure, we believe in him, but the real question is, do you love him? Do you love him, and have you placed your trust in his love and grace? Jesus didn't come to earth to die and rise again to start a religion. His goal wasn't to start a new religion. He came to this earth, and he died and he rose again to start a relationship with you. Christianity is not some lifeless religion. It's a love relationship with Jesus, and that's what makes all the difference. It's not just do you believe in him, but do you love him, and have you placed your faith in his love? That's what it's all about. You know, I know people that have memorized the whole Bible, and they're Bible scholars, and they know it in the Hebrew and the Greek, and they can answer any Bible questions, but they don't have love. And really... That's a bad advertisement for Jesus. Now let's look at verse three. 1 Corinthians 13, three. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now you can't love without giving. Whenever you love someone, you're gonna give to them. When Chris and I first fell in love, you know, I was always giving her stuff buying stuff for because when you love someone, you just naturally want to give. And when you love God, you give. You give to him because you love him. It's a sign of your love. So you can't love without giving, but you can give without loving. You can give and do it for the wrong motives. You can give to curry favors. You, you can give to get noticed in your name on a plaque. You can give to gain power. You can give out of pride. Or you can give trying to control someone. He's saying you can be the greatest philanthropist of all time, but you won't gain anything that matters without love. 
I've seen parents buy their kids anything they want because they feel guilty they aren't really spending time connecting with their kids. They think money will make up for it. It's really kind of buying them off because without love, it doesn't count. You can't buy off the people in your life. Without unselfish, loving actions, it is worthless. And so, you can be the goat of giving, which is a good thing. But minus love, it equals zero. This is brilliant math up here, folks. Now, that's so simple. What's brilliant is God's word is life-changing, but we seem to forget this simple math over and over again. You see, the point is, you can pile up achievements and accomplishments, you can have unbelievable success in life, but relationships are more important than accomplishments. Success without love is empty. Prestige without love is meaningless. Wealth without love is worthless. Fame without love is destructive. You can be the goat in your field of expertise, and God bless you, that's great. You can be the goat in your area of business that everyone is in awe of, but if you don't love, it doesn't count. You can be a success in every area of your life, but if you fail at relationships, you're a failure. It all comes down to love. And at the end of your life, that's where all your regrets will be. I promise you that. I've been with a lot of people at the end of their life. It's a sacred privilege. It's difficult, but a sacred privilege. And I've never had anyone tell me a regret that didn't involve relationships, love. It all comes down to do you love God with all your heart and how well did you love your family, your friends, the people in your life, the people that were hurting, the people who needed you. So here's the sum of all of it. Life minus love equals zero. That's the sum of everything. Life minus love equals zero. Now, this is real important. You need to know I'm not talking about our modern concept of love. When most people talk about love, they're not really talking about real love that the Bible talks about, the Bible's definition of love. I'm talking about real love. And so let's look again at this passage because verses four through seven tell us a really specific definition of what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now this is a powerful definition of what love is, and I want you to notice that all these things are actions, because love is more than a feeling. And that's one of the things I want my kids and my grandkids to always remember because our society doesn't get this. It goes totally against culture. It's countercultural. It goes against the grain. And this is one of the reasons why so many relationships fall apart because they think love is a feeling. I hear so many people say, well, you know, I just fell in love like they fell into a ditch or something. It's like, that's, that's, you know, it's not quite like that. That's not what real love is, you know? 
You fell into infatuation. But real love, you know, and then I hear a lot of people say, well, we just fell out of love. We just don't feel in love anymore. But love is not something you feel, it's something you do. It's a choice that you make. Now, love can produce powerful feelings, but it's not an emotion, it's an action. The deepest, most powerful kind of love is when you don't feel like it, but you act in love. And love is not love unless you put it into action. I know a lot of people that have these feelings of love for the people in their lives, but they never act on it, so it's not real love. It never makes a difference. It doesn't matter if you have a feeling of love if you don't act on it. But then, usually, we don't love until we have a feeling. And that's gonna cause you all kinds of problems in relationships. Because the deepest kind of love is when you don't feel like it, but you still do the loving thing. When a parent is up at night with a sick child and taking care of them, and, and then the child projectile vomits all over the parent. That's real love. And I guarantee you there are no loving feelings right then and there, if you've ever been through that. But that's real love. A friend of mine told me that when his daughter was a little girl, she had this little dog that she just adored. And one day they're in the backyard with the dog after a walk and the dog still had his leash on and there was a hole about three feet up, he said, in the back of their fence. And the dog tried to jump through the hole and the leash got stuck and the dog hung himself. And the dad said that he ran as fast as he could to the dog and he quickly untangled the leash and he got the dog off the fence, but when he laid the dog on the ground, he was lifeless, he was gone. And he said, all I could think about at that moment was how much my little girl loved that dog. So he said, before I even realized it, I was giving the dog mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He said, and it brought the dog back. He said, somehow the dog survived and he survived. And he said, then I walked back inside and I sat on the couch just traumatized by the whole thing. He said, I'm telling you, but I don't want to tell anybody else, you know. He said it wasn't until later that night that he realized he had dog hair all over his mouth. And I said, that's true love, you know? And I told him, I have to admit, I don't know if I love my kids that much. If I have to give a dog mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, I'd probably cling to the old saying, let hanging dogs lie. I don't know, I'm not sure. I don't know how I could do that. Now, love is more than a feeling, it's an action. So here's the point. Focus on actions rather than emotions and it will change your life. Focus on actions rather than emotions. Have you discovered the amazing truth that your focus and your actions can change your feelings? It's really true. What you focus on and think about and how you act actually has the power to change how you feel. When our counseling teams counsel couples who say, we just don't feel in love anymore, there's just no feelings for each other, they always give them some actions to do that are loving because they know if you wait for loving feelings to come back before you act, it's not gonna happen. It's amazing though, all the brain science is now proved what the Bible has said all along that you can change the way you feel by changing what you focus on and think about and act on. Let me do a little drawing up there that explains it. There's a little, let's call it the love train. How about that, so you won't forget it. There's this train that's all about love, and that's the engine, you can tell. 
I never said I could draw. Anyway, <laughs> the goat of art. And let's, right here, it's love. This is love. Now, this is the definition of love in Scripture. This is what real love is. That's what powers the Scripture, the truth. This is what the facts, this is what love is. Uh, that's the engine of the train. And then you have the coal car right here. And that gives the fuel to the train, and that is actions. When you act based on what the Bible says, act in love. That gives the fuel to the train. And then the caboose, this is what's pretty amazing. The caboose is your feelings. How you feel. And so what you wanna do is if you don't feel loving, that doesn't matter, that has nothing to do with love. When you don't feel loving, but you choose to act in loving ways that the Bible talks about, and to believe God's word, the crazy thing is your feelings start coming along. If you lost that loving feeling, it's not gonna come back in your marriage until you start acting in love again. Then the feelings come along in a powerful way, but most people are waiting for their feelings to be the engine. You see, it's just the opposite for most of us. Naturally, we let our feelings be the engine, and we're waiting for our feelings in order to act. And the problem is our feelings lead us all over the place. That's why so many families are falling apart today because it's all about waiting to feel love because they think love is a feeling. I just don't feel that love anymore, so I can't love. No, that's just the opposite. When you believe God's word, and even if you don't feel like you act on, those, on God's word, and don't wait for your feeling, the feelings come along. And that's a secret to a lasting marriage, by the way. It really is, because your feelings are gonna be all over the place at times. You know, your feelings that you had when you were dating. You know, you'll have that sometimes in marriage, but it goes all over the place, but so many people, that's why, you know, everyone in Hollywood gets divorced four or five times, because they think it's all about feelings. You know, I guess their actors and feelings are so important, but they've got it all mixed up. You know, and feelings are gonna come and go. And it's gonna devastate your life if you let your life be led by your feelings. Now, let's look at the actions here that activate love. Let's look at the coal car that gives the power to activate the engine. We have to practice these actions. After studying this, I realize I have a lot of practice to do. You know, we, have, we take lessons for continuing education and all kinds of things to learn a new language to learn a new musical instrument, to learn to play the piano. We have lessons for tennis, lessons for golf. We have art lessons, dance lessons. We have all kinds of lessons today to help us practice and improve something that we wanna do well. But nobody gives lessons on how to love. Well, the Bible gives us lessons on how to love. The Bible gives us the lessons, but we have to practice. You know, if you're taking lessons to learn a new sport, some of you are taking lessons for pickleball right now. You know, and that's a, a game for us older folks that can't run anymore, so that's a good one. But um, some of you are taking tennis lessons. But, but you know, if you just go an hour, a couple hours a week to that lesson, it's not gonna help you much if you don't practice. So we get the lesson from God's word, then we go and practice it. We put it into practice this week. And so what are we putting in to practice? Well, it says love is patient. So what is that? When I feel impatient, I choose to act patient, 
even if I don't feel it. My actions show patient. I do patient, loving actions. You choose it. I was going to the drive-thru at McDonald's a couple of mornings ago because I had an appointment early in the morning, and so I left about five minutes early so that I could drive through McDonald's, get an Egg McMuffin, get some coffee on my way, and I was really looking forward to that coffee, and I thought McDonald's would be fast, so I go through the drive-thru, there's just one car in front of me, and it's a guy in front of me, and he's sitting there, he's giving his order, he's talking into the speaker, telling the person what he wants, and I'm thinking, this is great, I'm right behind, I'm second in line, they don't have a big line today, this is wonderful, I'm gonna be early, and then he just keeps going and keeps going. And he, he thinks, and then he looks back up at the menu, and then he talks again, and she talks back to him. I, I can't hear it, but it's just, I see what's going on. And then he thinks again, he looks at the menu, he talks again. I mean, this just keeps going on for about five minutes, and I was just so frustrated. I was like, dude, it's McDonald's. It's not a new restaurant. You know, I mean, it's, it's McDonald's. It's not the Cheesecake Factory with a thousand things on the menu. I mean, come on. And I started getting so mad. I'm going, I'm going to be late. And he's making me late. And I don't know what his problem is. And then I thought, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit just kind of spoke to me and said, you just left five minutes and uh, you know better than that, you know. You always got an excuse for being late and... Who knows what that guy's going through right now? And, and so I was still feeling so impatient, like hurry, hurry, but I just chose to not think about that guy. I chose, I'm just gonna be patient. I'm sitting here, it's okay. I, cho- I still felt impatient, you know, but I just chose. Now, I wish I would have, as I look back, I wish I would have prayed for him. God bless this guy today, but I didn't even think of that, you know? It was just good to not be impatient. But then I started feeling, yeah, it's gonna be okay. And he took off. It was probably just one minute, but it felt like three hours to me. No, it was like 10 minutes. It was nuts. You know, I'm just still, now I've got to deal with resentment because that guy, I mean, that was. And this says love is kind. Now, kindness is really meeting a need. You see a need, you meet a need in someone's life. So when I feel overwhelmed and too busy, instead of focusing on that, I choose to meet someone's need, even if I don't feel like, in a tangible way. And then it says it does not envy. So when a friend gets blessed with something I wish I had, I'm gonna feel a little envious, like, wow, God, I'd like one of those. Friend shows you the new car, oh, get in, man, it's so exciting. He's like, I'm not excited, it's your car, not mine, you know? That's, you feel those things, don't you? Friend gets a raise, or friend gets, you know, um, elevated in their job, and you go, man, I wish I had that, I'm really struggling right now. You're gonna feel that way, but then you choose not to think about that. You just choose to celebrate whether you feel it or not. Man, that's awesome. How awesome. Yeah, I wanna come over and see that new girl. Yeah, yes. Hey, man, let's just get together for coffee and tell me about this new job. I mean, you choose to celebrate, and then you will feel it. You will feel it, and that's what love is. It's meeting the needs of someone else, and then it does not boast. So when I feel like bragging, like I'm in a conversation and I've got something I can say that might impress them. I want to say it really bad. You're going to want to, but then you stop and you choose to brag on someone else. And then you'll keep thinking about that one thing you can say that's so cool and they'll love it. And you choose to brag on someone else. It says love is not proud. When I feel like I have all the answers, and man, I really need to 
tell them because I know this, I know all the answers. Instead of just giving all the answers, I stop and I choose to ask some questions first. That's love. That's love. And then love, love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. What is that all about, dishonoring others? It means that I look for ways to value them instead of cutting them down. Instead of cutting down someone in your life, being critical of them, you look for ways to build them up and encourage them. Love is not self-seeking. This is the big one here. That means that instead of seeking people to meet my needs all the time and thinking about my needs, my needs, my needs, when I'm feeling like, man, I really need this, I really need that, stop and choose to see what other people need. Ask them what they need instead of assuming and try to meet those needs. And you'll find your needs will get met. And love is not easily angered. This is really important because Sometimes we hear something about someone or something, we get so mad and upset, but we don't even go to them to find out what really happened, to talk it out, to really you know, try to connect and solve this. And then love keeps no record of wrongs. What that means is when I feel resentment build up, I choose to forgive whether I feel like it or not. This is one of the hardest ones, but you'll never feel like forgiving, but you choose to forgive for your sake so that that resentment doesn't destroy your life. And then love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. What that means is when I'm tempted to shade something, when I'm tempted to tell a little lie because it makes things easier, it makes me look better, then I stop, I feel like doing that, I stop, and I just tell the truth, the whole truth, no matter what the consequences are. Because that pleases God, and that's the way of love. And it builds relationships ultimately. Now look at 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Did you get that? Always, always, always. Love always. That's the kind of love God has for us. Now, I don't always do these things. I fail to love Chris at times. I fail to love my family at times. But God always loves us in these ways. Isn't that amazing? That's why we have to practice it because there's times that I act in loving ways and those feelings come along, there are times I get stuck in my feelings and I don't love and I miss out on what God has for me. If you want to see a clear picture of what love is, look at 1 John 3, 16. We've looked at the definition of love, but what is the picture of it that will help us see what the definition is? It's in 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So if you want to see a picture of love, you look at the cross. Jesus Christ, he didn't feel like going to the cross. He didn't feel like experiencing all that pain, but he went to the cross because he loves us, and he knew it was the only way we could be in heaven with him one day. He went to the cross and took upon all of our sins. Did he feel good doing that? No. But it wasn't about feelings, it was about love. I heard about a pastor who stopped by to see a businessman at his office one day, and the pastor looked up on the wall and he saw this beautiful picture of this man and his wife, and he just made a quick comment. He said, nice picture. And when he turned around, he saw tears in the man's eyes, and he said, why are you crying? And the man said, well, you have to understand, there was a time in my life when I was unfaithful to my wife. She found out about it and of course was hurt so deeply she was gonna leave me and take the kids with her. But I realized the enormity of my sin. I was overwhelmed by it. 
So I just stopped the affair immediately. I just shut it off and I went to my wife in total brokenness. And even though I knew I didn't deserve to be forgiven by her, I just asked her to forgive me. And she did. This picture was taken shortly after that. So when I look at this picture, I see a woman who forgave me. I see a woman who chose to stand with me and forgive me and love me in spite of all that I'd done to her. He said, when you see that picture, you see nice picture. But when I see that picture, I see my life being given back to me again. And God wants to give your life back to you again. And for some of you today, you need a fresh start. You need the God of the second chance. You need the God who is love. You see, we've all messed up, we've all sinned. That's true, but we have a God who stands ready to forgive all those who turn from their mess and turn to him. You see, we have a God who loves us always in these ways. He loves us no matter what. He doesn't love you if, that's what we do. I love you if you love me back. I love you if you meet my needs. If you stop meeting my needs, then I'll stop loving you. God doesn't love you if. God doesn't love you if you do all the right things. God doesn't love you if you love him back. God doesn't love you if you believe in him. No, you can be an atheist and he'll love you just the same. It's just destructive to your life and he hurts for you. But God loves us no matter what. He loves us unconditionally. And when we come to him and receive that forgiveness that he gave that wasn't cheap grace, it cost him his life, then he cleanses us. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8, it says, love never fails. You remember that verse. That's another simple one, but how powerful. God's unconditional love never fails. And I'm telling you, there'll be many times that people fail you. They'll fail to love you the way they should. And you will fail at loving others the way you should. The people you love the most, many times you fail to love in this biblical way, and you've failed to really love the way God loves, but we strive for always. But here's the great thing, if you make love your greatest aim, you will never be a failure. You will never be a zero. If you make love your greatest purpose and your greatest aim in life and you keep practicing it, you can't fail. You'll never be a failure in life. That's why this church will never fail, because it's based on love. It's built on love, loving Jesus, not religion. It's based on a relationship with Jesus, loving Jesus and loving each other and loving the hurting and loving this world. That's what it's based on and sharing the truth in love because if you don't share the truth with someone, you don't really care about them, you just want them to like you. And so you risk them not liking you because you love them, but you do it in love. Some churches beat people over the head with the Bible and the truth but we're gonna tell the truth, but you do it in love because you love them and you care about them. This church is built on love, so it will never fail. Not because we got it all together, that's for sure, but because God loves us. And as we seek to love him and to love others, and that is our greatest aim, you can't fail. You can't fail. You'll never be a failure if your aim your greatest aim 
is to love. Let's stand together, Will and Church, and as we start this series, let's make a commitment this week to do something really practical, to seek to put these things into our lives, whether we feel like it or not, and you just watch what happens. Now, it takes some time to practice these things because you got some ruts in your brain that you are letting your feelings be the engine of your life, and that's why we get off track. I do it so many times, but choose to change. Follow 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven, and just act on it, whether you feel like it or not. I've seen couples who had totally lost that loving feeling, who don't feel anything for each other, and you tell them, you know what, act like you love him. Act like you love her for the next month and see what happens. Act like you love them, and they come back going, you know what, we fell in love again. We love each other. It's like you act in love first, and the feelings come along. Well, then, church, let's just pray and ask God to help us love, because really all the things I'm talking about, you can't do it on your own strength. You need God's power to do it. So you look to God to give you the power to love. And then let's remember how much God loves us. And if you've never received the love of God, just pray this prayer right now, silently in your heart, and receive his love. Jesus Christ, I admit I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I accept your free gift of forgiveness. I bring my broken heart to you, my brokenness and my sin to you, and I accept your forgiveness, and I ask you to heal my heart, make me whole again. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. And then, Lord, I pray for every one of us who are Christ followers. Lord, we really want to love others the way you love us, and we can't do that without your power. We want to do that always, but Lord, we fail at times. So help us just remember how much you love us. Help us always bring our brokenness to you when we fail. We got brokenness and, you know, we make a mess of things, but help us bring the brokenness to you so you can turn it into blessedness and bring our hearts to you so that you can heal our hearts. Because I know, Lord, we all have broken places in our hearts that need to heal. And then, Lord, as you make us whole again, help us to step out in love, whether we feel it or not, for your glory. Whether we receive anything back or not, for your glory, because that's when we find fulfillment. Lord, bless Woodland Church. Help us to stay on track to make love our greatest aim, loving you and loving people for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, Wilderness Church, next weekend is Rally Weekend. We're gonna have our services, our three services, right here like we always do and at our campuses. Uh, but on Saturday night, um, our students are gonna be over at the pavilion because we're gonna have around 1,000 junior high and high school students, and they have so much fun. They take over all the waterway for the weekend, and they have a blast, but the most important thing they do is they have these Bible, small group Bible studies. Everyone's at a small group Bible study with a leader, and they're learning God's word, and they're putting it into practice, and they find their others, thousand others who go in the right direction, want to stay strong, stand against peer pressure, and then we'll have, I bet, over 100 kids come to know Jesus and their eternal destinies be changed. Thank you for your investment in them and how you give so that the church can do these kind of things and subsidize a lot of this. And by the way, we have kids that need scholarships that don't have the money. The way we do it is they always have to pay something so that they're invested in it. But then we give them half of it or you know, three-fourths of it, whatever their need is, and so that they can go and they don't miss it. 
And so I really encourage you, we have kiosks out there, and maybe you wanna get a scholarship for a kid. You may get a scholarship for a kid that comes to know Jesus because of your scholarship. That counts in heaven. And maybe you wanna get 10 scholarships. I don't know, but what a great way to give to make a difference to scholarship a student at Rally Weekend. Well, in church, I know that we all have broken places in our hearts. And so what I want you to do right now as we conclude the service is I want us to sing to him and I want us to thank him for his death upon the cross and his resurrection because when he died on that cross, he died of a broken heart. Did you know that? Scientifically, we know he died of a broken heart because the soldiers pierced his side and they were experts in death, these Roman soldiers. They pierced his side and it says water and blood, a mixture of water and blood came out of his side, which medical doctors know that it was a heart that had pretty much burst that causes that. And so they realized he was dead at that time where they broke the legs of the others, the thieves on the cross, so that they would, couldn't breathe and they would die quicker. And the scripture, the prophecy in the Old Testament says not one of his bones were broken and that fulfilled that prophecy, but he died of a broken heart, which makes sense to me that his, he carried on his heart all of our broken hearts so that we could have healed hearts. And so... I just thank God, and we're gonna thank him today because as we bring our broken hearts to him, he brings wholeness. I don't know what's breaking in your heart, in your life right now, but I know there's something broken because we all need healing constantly, and God wants to give you a whole heart because of what he's done. He wants to break the chains free from you today, and I just hope right now that you'll experience that love, and that's my prayer, that right now in this moment as we sing, and focus on him, that God's gonna bring healing to your heart in a powerful way that you can't explain. Healing to your, I know God wants to heal some hearts today. So let's just sing about his love right now and thank him in advance for the whole heart that he's gonna give us. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.